Welcome to Prime Suspects, where we bring you an insider's look behind the counter of Prime Sports. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined as always by Joe Brennan Jr. and Adam Bjorn. Guys, it's our final episode before Christmas. What are your plans for the holidays? Same as yesterday and same as tomorrow. Sports all the way through, bowl games, NFL, I think Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day, NBA. Every day's a fun day. Get to work and watch sports. Yeah, there's worse things to do. It gets you out of a lot of family obligations you don't want to go to. No, I don't want to go to Aunt Jean's Christmas party. I got to work. Now, normally I blame it on my wife, who is an intensive care nurse and first responders and those. They have to work through the holidays. Shout out to Mrs. Brennan and other first responders. But this is the first year I get to be, it might not be as noble, but yeah, I'm like, nah, sorry, I got to work. I'm a bookie. It'll give them something to talk about at the Christmas table, right? What a disappointment Joey became. All right. Well, whether it's first responders or bookmaking on the other side of the counter, it's work throughout the holiday season, nevertheless. And guys, it's a safe bet that some last minute shopping for the holidays will be done by a lot of operators over the course of this week. And to queue up our first segment, the latest from Inside Prime Sports, let's make a bet that a lot of those operators last minute shopping will be funded by some affiliate revenue. On that note, Prime Sports does not yet have a formal affiliate program. Adam, let's kick it over to you first. Why is that? And what's your view on affiliate programs in general? Because I hate affiliates. I generally think they're an expense that should be avoided any way possible. You know, I've seen it for 20 years. If I had a time machine, I'd probably go back 20 years and become affiliate because most of those guys are the ones that do the littlest work and make most of the money out of the sports books and its players. So all the way along, again, I've pushed against it. Uh, I know it's a necessary evil in some spots, but I just don't really have the time for them and would rather go and sort of build organically because most of the players in the beginning as well are players we're going to get anyway through our natural channels to go get some more of the rec players and build up the liquidity. Again, path that may have to be taken. But yeah, for me, that's just the one item in our expense sheet that I like keep as low as possible. All right. Perhaps I should have braced for impact there because in the spirit of full disclosure, my other podcast, Props and Hops, is an affiliate partner of Right Angle Sports. Not an operator, but an affiliate nevertheless. So Joe, maybe you can give us all some hope here. How do you think about the role that affiliates play both in the broader sports betting space and in the future, perhaps with Prime Sports more specifically? First of all, that's a really tough act to follow, isn't it? Because Adam sugarcoats everything. <laughs> So for all those affiliates who are about to switch this off and say, you know, everybody was right. That really is a crap podcast. Let I bring you hope. We are not hanging up a become affiliate link at primesports.com because in the, for the near future, we want to be as discerning as possible when it comes to how we're going to set up affiliate relationships. Because Adam's right. The affiliate world really does need to evolve quite a bit. And I don't think they have or many of them many of them have not yet some of them still think it's 2018 and and when you talk to them the only thing they want to talk about are enormous cpa bonuses for sending somebody to you who does like a 25 dollar deposit and a five dollar bet and they want a 800 cpa bonus and by the way thank you again Fantola and DraftKings, for another legacy item that you've brought to the industry because they're dfs sites couldn't make any money. It was the only way that they could get affiliates to work with them and send them traffic is promise them those enormous bonuses that might never pay out. And so the fact that it's carried over into sports betting 
again, another monstrosity that we're forced to deal with. But really, affiliates need to embrace revenue share, particularly for a sports book like ourselves. And I would imagine a sports book like Circa and look at more of a long game, potential higher value customers individually. And they're not really there yet. I think also for us, it's, we want to be a little more, I don't know, hard on affiliates when they say, hey, we can send you traffic. Tell us about your traffic. Don't just tell us macro numbers. Well, we've got these many unique per month and everything like that. Like, tell us more about that that traffic. We need more of a filter. Give us more demographic information. Give us more betting information about those folks. Are you collecting it? It can't just be like we send dumb traffic your way. And if it drops the right cookie into your reg process, we're going to milk you guys for the next couple of years. Okay. So I do think affiliates have to evolve in that way. Then they'll be seen as a bit more valuable, more realistic extension of your acquisition marketing arm. I do kind of wonder how long it's going to take for that change to set in. There's a lot of, I mean, obviously the big guys, they have a lot of pressure from the public markets to move towards profitability. Part of that is obviously reducing acquisition costs. I can tell you that we've talked to a number of guys because a lot of these there's still a lot of guys who've been around since, as Adam said, since like the early days that were really effective affiliates. They're still around, but they've been acquired. I don't blame them. I mean, they, they took Scandinavian dollars or, or whatever it may be, European dollars to sell out their business that they're now managing for these huge affiliate companies. And they're communicating back to their bosses what's really needed to work with us, the kind of traffic we want, customer that we want, the kind of level of engagement that we think is necessary for them to be a valuable partner. It's a hard sell for these guys back to their own people, even if it might be the first inkling of an existential crisis for those guys. They, they have to evolve or they certainly will die because it's only for so long we can justify affiliate marketing as an expense before they're going to fall under Adam's sword. And he's right. It used to be really great being an affiliate. I mean, there's not many guys I knew who were running affiliates back in like the early 2000s who were doing anything other than playing golf and drinking boat drinks. And the other thing is, I think beyond, we don't want just content affiliates. We're looking also at, you know, what can bring us engagement? Is it apps? Is it services? Is it premium content sites? Things like that. Most of them want some kind of affiliate type arrangement, except for those guys over at Unabated standing on principle. But that's also where we get into a little bit of a problem area because a lot of these app and really interesting things being created by people who just entered the industry, they don't really have a, a realistic view of what the commercials should be. And it's a shame when things fall apart because you're saying like, there's no way you would ever get that amount of revenue share from somebody for what you are bringing to the table. If you can guarantee a level of engagement that meets you know, certain thresholds for us, we consider this, but most of them want a third of your revenue or 20% of that. One even wanted 20% of revenue to use their app for people that, we're, that were already our customers. So that's a ridiculous proposition. We won't get into it. So going forward, we've already identified a handful of folks, we'll call them our friends and family affiliates that we'll be working with starting in 2024, early 2024. And then as we move out, we'll see on an ad hoc basis, we're open to talking to people, but we're going to expect a lot more. And maybe it's a lot more than you're willing to give to a little sports book like Prime Sports Book, but that's our position.
I know we have a couple other topics we'll hit on, so not to belabor the point here, but Joe, one thing I heard from you a couple of times, and correct me if I'm mischaracterizing what you meant, but I think I heard you mention RevShare a couple of times, and often I've heard that there tends to be more support on a general basis for a flat fee model where an affiliate partner isn't trying to capitalize on what will most likely be losing betters being sent to a sports book, kind of like sheep to the slaughterhouse. So what's your stance on that rev share model that you touched on versus something that might be more justifiable for affiliate partners on the other side and for betters to understand in general where there's not something that involves parties perhaps trying to capitalize on future betting losses? So I think that's a horseshit position because where do they think we get our revenue from? If you're in the gambling industry, which is what we're in, gambling operators make money from players' losses, okay? we try and operate at lower margins and everything like that. So, and we try and do things over a longer term because we're not trying to go out and drain your veins overnight like some operators may be. But anybody who comes into this and says like, well, you know, I'd like to do a CPA because I don't want to sit there in the margins and make money off of our, off our players' losses. Like, no, you'd like to be paid for them all right now, okay? Projecting what their future losses would be. So don't come with this like, oh, it's a more morally sustainable position. That's horseshit. If you're in the affiliate business, you want to be compensated as an affiliate. It doesn't matter if you're a CPA or, you know, a rev share or a hybrid of that. You're making money from players' losses, period. All right. Calling a spade a spade. If nothing else, you cannot dispute that Adam and Joe bring that transparency to the table. So guys. It brought a smile to Adam's face. Look at him. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to put this on video one of these days so people can catch that reaction in real time as well. But if you guys might have certain affiliate programs on the naughty list, it's safe to say that they won't be alone as we move into our water cooler segment and talk about some issues with betting apps recently. Last take is Chris, a pro better and someone I feel fortunate to know as a friend and mentor has recently voiced some pain points with Nevada betting apps. In a Twitter post on December 14th, he called out the following bevy of issues all within a seven-day span. He was denied a bet, offered a new line, which he declined, and then that bet showed up as pending. He said he tried 100-plus login attempts. I hope that's an exaggeration. He confirmed a bet at one line, and then the pending bet in his account was half a point worse. And then he was racing to get down an in-game bet, and that got derailed because of delays due to text messaging verification. And last but not least, he said that there are books where $1,000 straight bets are no problem, but trying to get in a $200 bet will bring up that spinning wheel. So on one hand, we've got that from a well-known better. And on the other hand, we've got somebody like Joe Asher commenting on the Eilers and Krychik podcast that Circa is the most direct path to getting a bet down, but their app isn't as robust as a lot of the others. So Joe, let's start with you on this topic. I guess, first off, is all the robustness of some of these betting apps really in service of the player or does it ultimately in some ways come back to favor the bookmaker? Gee, I thought that was the question I was going to pose, but you posed it much better than I did, Matt. I think that's correct. I respect Circa for just keeping it pure and Prime's app is very much the same. This is an app for people who want to place a bet. We sell bets. It's the most direct way to get down a good size bet and then get on with it. The other apps are more colored by, you know, their mission and their style of betting uh, a lot and also their ambitions, you know, so it's more of an engagement play. They pack more content into it. They're not really particularly good bookmakers. So they pack a lot of curated parlays in there and they really push it 
into your face. And then that type of experience is a, a de facto filter for it. It's not going to appeal to the type of player that likes a circle, likes a prime or somebody like that, where they look, I know what I'm doing. I just want to get down a good bet and I don't want any BS. I don't want any waiting. Whereas, you know, walking through the bigger guys, it's like walking through Costco. What am I going to get and how am I going to get it and how quickly am I going to get there? So uh, no doubt that that's the case. And you'll probably see some divergence uh, even more. So I don't think Circa or Prime or anybody like us is ever going to score high in the Islers and Crycheck app rankings. But I think we should definitely score high as far as level of satisfaction with the type of player that we like. The other guys have aspirations being engagement models. They talk about themselves as entertainment, sports entertainment, things like that. They have broader ambitions. So maybe that's good in service of what they want to do, where sports betting eventually just becomes one part of what they do. But for what we do, we sell bets. We sell sports bets. We want the most direct channel to get there. And I think Adam and his team have definitely created that. And Adam, let's build on that. We can tell by your partnership with Joe and the Prime Sports team where your allegiance is going to lie here. But more broadly, how would you describe your point of view on the balance between betting apps having all the bells and whistles versus on a more simplistic basis, just focusing on being as user-friendly as possible. Well, I've had this argument for 20 years over Bet365. Used to be able to play there many, many years ago. And I always found it complicated and difficult to find what I was looking for rather than just getting down a bet. Last time I flew into Vegas, I did a step-by-step of, I land, I already have funds in my Circa account, I log in, I spend the whole account, and then I wait for the results over the next few days. Again, their robustness, that's very basic. I think we're a lot more advanced than that, what we have. But again, you know, all the colorful pictures and all the different things I just find gets in the way. Uh, Again, the the market niche we're going after, again, it's always been about bringing the offshore home or or regulating the unregulated. And ultimately, for me, a lot of that's 35, 40, 45, 50 plus players that had to learn 10 years ago, 15 years ago, how to actually use a smartphone and they were educated that way. So it's trying to keep it very simple for that market space that we're ultimately going after and keeping it as frictionless as possible. Ultimately, that's the goal. Get on, get your bets in, go watch the games, enjoy it. Uh, And I think more and more we're seeing this spinning wheel, which Again, the spinning wheel is real in certain circumstances. If you're doing live betting, you have to understand that the spinning wheel is, again, another necessary evil. There's latency to data, there's people court siding, there's people sitting at games and things like that. So even Prime on their live betting will have anywhere between, you know, a zero and six second delay, which is a spinning wheel for, again, data latency purposes and protecting them as much as, as anything. So. Those conversations have been going on for a while, sort of saying, are you going to bring the spinning wheel to the market? Well, yeah, sometimes it's required. But pre-game, if you're getting a spinning wheel on pre-game, they're ultimately trying to fuck you, and that's the end of it. Uh, you should never see a spinning wheel on the pre-game. And if you do on Prime Sports, call customer service because we're having technical issues and report it so we can fix it. All right, so let's wrap this up by talking not just sports betting apps, but the industry more broadly. And 
let's say if the legendary investment manager and short seller Jim Chanos were playing the role of Santa this holiday season, the sports betting sector would no longer be getting a lump of coal, according to his list. And in our look ahead segment, we can talk about that a bit because Chanos has closed his short position on DraftKings. Chanos told the Financial Times in a story published Sunday that the sector has become a better business than he thought it would be, driven by increasing margins for operators, thanks to, using his words, what bad bettors the U.S. gamblers are. Joe, we'll start here with you. How might this not be so good for DraftKings, although it might seem like great news at face value, and for DraftKings and other rec books, how do you think that this affects them as well as your outlook for Prime's model moving forward? I think if you're the moat that you're trying to build around your business, which is what every investor wants to know, is relying on people to continue to make bad choices. That means you need people to not learn, not become better, not become better educated. And there is, if there's one thing that's certain in this information economy, somebody is always out there tinkering on something that's going to make, make it possible for people to make better choices, get better buys, get better pricing, get all of those things. So I, I saw it as like, Hey, good news, bad news, DraftKings, like good news, DraftKings. Chano stopped taking a dump on you and shorting you. Bad news is, is he told everybody that you don't, it's not really because you have an excellent product or anything like that. It's because your customers are ill-informed. God forbid they ever become better informed on price and, or anything like then what does DraftKings do? <laughs> Adam, to that end, how do you foresee the path forward when it comes to educating U.S. betters? I've said recently that I had a bit of an epiphany on my uh, European-African trip that I don't know if they can be. The more and more I look at it, sure, in long term, I imagine there's just a natural rollover where they do become more educated and more technical adapt and whatnot of searching prices, become familiar with arbitraging and things like that. But it's just such a consumer culture of wanting the final answer. Just so much looking for, who do I need to bet? Uh, watching these shows and just waiting for the last five minutes for the pick or getting a three-page preview and just going to the last page and looking for the pick. You know, I, I'm not sure if they can be or they want to be. It's probably more to the point. I've been saying it for a very long time. Glad that someone else is actually saying it now to support. But for decades... The one market that everyone's wanted to feed off was the U.S. market because it was the most efficient for bookmakers to make money off. Again, it's a big country, they're very consumer-centric more so than the rest of the world, and that just flows into sports betting and gambling in general. So as for DraftKings, I've actually played into them a few times in the stock market recently over the last 12 months. They definitely got way too low when they were down low teens, even mid-20s. Just another gamble, but they were definitely a bigger player in the market. Yes, the management team, I think someone mentioned in the last few days, you know, the difference between FanDuel and DraftKings is more the management team and they're more up on FanDuel and DraftKings. But as for product and all those kinds, it's the same. I see a very bright future for DraftKings. Uh, while I've said in the past that they're kind of the one that had no substance behind it, no flutter, which is FanDuel, has again a global economy behind it. MGM Caesars have long history, brick and mortars behind it. DraftKings really didn't have a foundational base. As we go through, I think probably a few hard years ahead, they'll come out at the other side and be there for a while to come. So 
you know, it's the evolution of one's thinking, sort of seeing the market differently. But again, I sort of read through that article that Joe sent over, of course, giggling to myself that he, you know, here it is, the answer, you know, everything that I, I sort of believe is accurate to, or similar to what my thinking is right now. Matt, one, another way of looking at this, I mean, we obviously, we spent a lot of time banging on the, on the recreational sports book model and we're, we obviously have a lot of faith in the model that we take. But I was actually, I was having a back and forth with Alan Bolden, who's from Eilers and Krychek on this one. And it's very reasonable to see a future where, you know, because this is sports gaming, sports gaming just becomes another variable similar to like the lottery. And Alan was saying that he finds it more interesting to run an accumulator bet on multiple horse races than he does to buy a lottery ticket. But he does like that small money, big payout, you know, with the sweat. And, and he likes that piece, even though he's a smart guy. And you can honestly see a future where, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, what they do is more Powerball lottery oriented. And they don't have to apologize for not taking the kind of action that we'll take and, and focus on single game wagering because they really are an entertainment product. And then the industry will further bifurcate into operators like them and then operators like us. In the end, it's a question of liquidity. We think that there's obviously a really big pool of liquidity that's available for taking our approach that's not yet been tapped by the regulated market. I wonder what the ceiling is for their approach. Are they approaching their theoretical ceiling and because of the quality of the product or the type of product, will you know the floor get lower and lower? Let's see. But yeah, it, it's valid what they're doing. It, it's not my cup of tea, but... Is Jim Chanos like justified in saying those nasty things about American betters? Like every American better is not going to become an Ivy leaguer about betting, but if one out of every hundred does, that's a problem for, I think the model that the uh, recreational sports books do that those guys can represent in shifting from one model to another. Yeah. And, and you need to be able to build that liquidity. As we say, it's uh, betting a toothpick to win a lumberyard. Ultimately you need those players. Uh, so that you can just put them in that bucket that when they place their bet, don't even look at it. And if they win, you know, 100,000, 200,000 or something on some parlay they hit, pay them as quickly as possible, and then you invite them back in to start playing again. Again, it goes back to the previous segment of the friction. You know, the one thing that I do like about the same game parlays and what they're doing about it is you can click on as many buttons as you want and you get to the bet slip and your bet goes through. Sure, they might be robbing you blind and you're getting horrible odds and whatnot. That's the name of the game at the end of the day is to remove the friction and make that process as simple as possible. All right. Well, however bullish or bearish you are on the sports betting sector on a broad level or prime sports more specifically, if you're still with us listening to the end of this conversation, then you are on our nice list. We hope the feeling is mutual. So we'll wrap up with a few of our weekly reminders here. You can register for Prime Sports at primesports.com, download the Prime Sports app, follow Prime Sports on Twitter at Prime Sportsbook, where we welcome you to message us with any questions or segment ideas. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Brennan Jr. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Bjorn 2. You can find links to all of the above in the show notes. Once again, everybody, thank you for listening. Have a safe and Merry Christmas, and we'll see you again next week right back here on Prime Suspects. You must be 21 or over to play on Prime Sports. 
Always bet responsibly and within your limits. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.